means new mechanics and Midnight Hunt is clearly seeking to push the boundaries of what makes Innistrad Innistrad. But how do you keep a third trip to a beloved plane feeling fresh, and what does this set's functional identity tell us about the plane's evolving narrative and the attitude towards flavorful design? Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor, design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And we are back on Innistrad. The whole set has been spoiled. Uh, in fact, when we recorded last week's episode, because we recorded it relatively late in our sort of like cycle of doing these things, I think we recorded that episode. The next day, the set was spoiled, and a whole bunch of stuff that we were like, mm, I'm not sure, or oh, I think this is going to happen, either came to pass, didn't come to pass, or came to pass in a way that we didn't expect, and kind of undermined a good sort of third of everything that we thought. <laughs> Hey, look, we can't be right about everything, right? Yeah, that's the game. That's the game, isn't it? Um, The big one was, uh, oh, I don't think they're going to go, like, full saw, like, full serial killer. They're going to have a couple of cards. And then, yeah, the the Meat Hook Massacre literally got spoiled about an hour after we stopped recording. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one thing that I heard was great was the low res image made to one of our uh, group think that the guy, like the hand in the foreground was like a little mushroom dude like jumping up. I was like, oh, that's cute. That's way nicer than 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 a grizzly hand. hand. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a nicer swing on that card, just look look out for the mushroom dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the other one which was um, I I was going on for ages, being really coy about the fact that I thought we would see. Um, Giralf in a different way. I was like, well, we might not come back in the same way. My whole thing is that he was going to turn himself into some sort of abomination, or like, you know, he was going to turn the experiments on himself. And then we saw that the backside of the Ludovic card was him turning himself into a monstrosity. And I was like, oh, well, that's exactly the storyline I thought they were going to do for, for Giralf. So sort of half a win, but also uh, that card was probably out and about, and I might have seen it and then just conflated things without realizing that's what I was doing. So, um, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with perpetual spoiler season. You're always like making predictions, and then within two seconds, the predictions are gone and by, and now we're already talking about Crimson Vow. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, that's not this episode. This episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is uh, us talking about the mechanics of Midnight Hunt. Um, so we've done our kind of hypes. Uh, we are now moving on to mechanics. Then we'll go on to um, our flavor picks. And then we'll do a whole bunch of story stuff because the story looks really, really cool. Um, so yes, when we do mechanics episodes, if you're relatively new to the show, we tend not to focus too heavily on whether we think they're viable in any given format. Um, although that does come into it because we are magic players. Um we focus on the flavor of the mechanics and whether we think they're evocative of what they're trying to say, whether we think they fit with the plane, whether we think that they're too similar to other stuff in terms of their flavor and function, all that kind of jazz. Um, so, yeah, we're going to jump into it. Um, there is a lot going on. We were just running through before we hit record, like, oh, yeah, we've got like this mechanic and that mechanic and this new keyword. Oh, remember there's this and there's that. This set is quite packed out with play patterns and like different cards doing different things. It's 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 rather a lot. I'm actually quite surprised. I find that sets that rely heavily on graveyard mechanics, like say for example, like Amon Cat with like aftermath and um, uh, embalm and stuff like that, they mm. tend to be quite complex anyway. Because you're playing, you've got playability outside of the stuff in the battlefield, right? Everything either comes back a second time, or you can like you know use your utility like a few turns later, that kind of thing. Or there's like death tricks. Like it's not like anything happens. It's not like a two-two. It's like, mm. oh no, it's a two-two that you can flash back, and then when it dies, it does a thing. So at each like each point, you've got decision points. So like when you want to get it back again, again, mm. we'll talk about this when we get to like the new keyword. Like it, they've kind of twisted things to make you have to pay a bit more attention as to how you get the most out of your cards. Mm. So yeah, it's more complex than 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 it, than it initially looks to me. Sure, and I suppose if you're building off the back of like the third time returning to a set, you can kind of layer on top of things that you've already done. So, Innistrad was the original Innistrad was famous for bringing in the double faced cards. Like we keep calling them flip cards, but flip cards are technically the Kamigawa ones. We've done a whole episode on this. Go back and listen to that one. Um, but this is the double faced cards where we've had like transform, and they've obviously brought that back and changed it round and put new things onto it each time we've come back to Innistrad. And this time's no different. But it just means that now. A lot of these mechanics that we're going to be talking about revolve around the transform mechanic, as well as just cards that just straight up transform with no sort of discernible mechanic that is shared by anything else. And it just it just seems like there's a lot, you know. And the fact that any set that relies on double face cards, of which now it's kind of commonplace, that it's not just oh, there's three hundred odd cards in a set. It's like there's really like four, five hundred, six hundred even, because there are so many cards that double up, you know. So you're really worrying about far more permanence than you would normally worry about um yeah and i think it makes for interesting games but it, it's and it also it tells a whole narrative which we'll get into but yeah it's, it's just a lot so we're gonna we're gonna try and 
bounce through them because there is a lot going on. Um, Shall we just jump into it? Let's talk about Disturb. This is a new one. It's a brand new one. So Disturb is the main mechanic for the spirits of the set. So uh, obviously all the different tribes, you have like spirits, vampires, werewolves, zombies, humans, and each one obviously gets their own kind of key mechanic. And this is the one for the spirits or the geists of Innistrad. Uh, So Disturb generally reads uh, that uh, you may cast this card from your graveyard, transform it for its Disturb cost. So if you were to look at something like Baithook Angler, for example, which is a one in a blue for a human peasant, two one, it has disturb for one and a blue so if this card goes into your graveyard you can cast it for a disturb cost and it comes back as hook haunt drifter which is a one two flying spirit and if hook haunt drifter would be put into your graveyard from anywhere exile it instead so it's you getting i mean it's flashback which we will get onto in a minute all mechanics are flashback or kicker i kind of feel like at this point that's the joke right well, I kind of buried the lead a little bit when I talked about Amoket before, because Amoket, the set where spells had aftermath and the creatures got flashback, and I've got Midnight Hunt, the set where spells have flashback and the creatures have aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of swapped over, which yeah. is quite cute. But yeah, everything says flashback with extra steps. It's all kicker with extra steps. I mean, there's two mechanics in Magic, get over it, that's going to keep calling it different things. Yeah, for sure. But I do like it. So looking at the card gallery, there are, uh, as far as I can see, there's 16 cards with Disturb. Or they're all in blue and white as well. Um, Oh, actually, no, there is one black one. Um, But it is cool to see because... Obviously, this is a way not only to evoke uh, the idea that in Innistrad, the Blessed Sleep, which is the kind of um, sought-after afterlife for uh, people on the plane, which is where your your spirit essentially goes back into the full-on afterlife. But if you if you don't have the Blessed Sleep, you come back as a geist. If you have unfinished business or you didn't get like um, sort of blessed or consecrated correctly, and and all that kind of thing. And I I do like the idea that. We, uh, we have had Geists and Spirits, obviously, in Innistrad before, and we have them in this set, just kind of as their own thing. And we have had cards which have kind of evoked this whole idea of being living and dead. But to give it, like, its own proper mechanic, and having the sort of situation of the card change with the double-faced cards on, a me- on an actual mechanic rather than just, like, a one-off card, I think really ties this idea of, you know, the humans of the plane either getting their sort of, you know, just desserts or getting their sort of um, deserved afterlife is is really like kind of a cool idea. Um, do you have any sort of cards that stand out to you with dis- would disturb on them? Um, it's funny because I'm literally just kind of flipping back and forth. It's funny because when I, when I started flipping back and forth between it, it reminded me a lot of like the Eldrazi, like the Eldritch Moon kind of Eldrazi cards, where they went, "Oh, how can we take this like normally kind of thing and then make it kind of monstrous?" Mm. Um, uh, out of all of them, I think. I mean, I really like Denek. I think it's also mostly because I've just read the story that he's appeared in. So it's quite nice. And in the story, you find him kind of as the geist. You don't see him in life. Um, but I, I mean, none, none of them, none of them jump out at me incredibly. Cause I mean, a few of them have the, um, the kick, uh, like the, the rider clause, right. Of, um, cause they tend to all be flying creatures. Cause obviously spirits, um, and a lot of them can only block creatures with flying, which takes away a little bit of their like, Oh, okay. That's a bit strong, right. You just get your creature back and does something different kind of thing. Um, and they kind of obviously tried to, um, curtail the power level on this a little bit, as you said, last episode about how with some, um, werewolves that like, you can't just make both sides really strong. Otherwise it kind of, it just it makes a broken card. Yeah, it's two yeah, broken yeah. cards in one. Um, so I feel like they're kind of underplayed a little bit. It's, I think it's really cool that they do see a black one because mm. uh, I think it's one of the only. I think it's the only black spirit in the set. In fact, it's a spirit rogue as well. When you flip, it's quite yeah, cool. yeah, sure. So this is covert, uh, covert cut purse for two and a black human rogue. When enters the battlefield, destroy target creature you don't control. That was dealt damage this turn. So this is the cut purse killing their target. And then it's uh, two one, and it has disturb for uh, four and a black. And then the backside of it is covetous geist. Uh, which is a flying death touch. If Coverless Guys be put into your graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So this is the idea that you know you can't just keep recurring these mm. disturbed cards backwards and forwards. And also, it's the idea that I think if once all these spirits have kind of achieved their end goal in their geist form, that they do eventually get their blessed sleep and do kind of dissipate into the ether of wherever like Innistrad's afterlife really is. Uh, the flavor text on the back of Covetous Geist is uh, it has no need of wealth uh, in the afterlife. It steals and uh, steals and kills purely for its own spiteful amusement, Kaya. And so I just, yeah, I really like this idea that the <laughs> the spirit on the back is absolutely doing what the Covetous Cut Purse, uh, Covert Cut Purse was doing in life. And it's just this person is so vile that even as a spirit it's still going around and killing people and trying to steal stuff it's pretty brutal um mm. but you do have other narratives going on as well if you look at like malevolent hermit 
Um, so Malevolent Hermit with uh, artwork by Darken. If you look at the character, he's, I mean, the, and also the name Malevolent Hermit, pretty pretty nasty looking dude, like just horrible cantankerous old man. Grumpus as fuck. He's a, he's a grumpus, <laughs> human wizard grumpus, uh, and he has disturb. But on the backside, he's Benevolent Geist, and the flavor text reads, all his old grudges suddenly seemed laughably petty, so he laughed. And it's just like, oh, wow, like, you know, in death, he's a lot of a happier man, which is, you know, like, like these stories that they get to tell with these kind of, you know, backside, frontside things are, are pretty special. You have some other things like Bait Hook Angler, which is a fisherman that you can see is about to get chomped by a big sea creature. And on the back, he's a hook haunt drifter, so he is now a dead sort of sailor, kind of, you know, haunting the, the grass and all that kind of thing. The, the most sad one, and I kind of... Wizards have been doing this a lot with dogs <laughs> recently, and they've been really trying to pull on people's heartstrings, and I don't know how I feel about it, because I kind of feel like it's a little bit uh, fan service and it's a, bit, a little bit too twee for me, but you have Morning Patrol, which is two and a white for, two, uh, for a two-three human soldier with vigilance and disturb. Uh, the flavor text is, it's creepy out here, isn't it, boy? I always feel like someone's watching us. And it's a patrol Cathar with their doggo. And then on the back, we have Morning Apparition, uh, which is a flying vigilant spirit soldier, 2-1. And it has uh, the flavor text, you could see the spirits all along, couldn't you? Well, now I, I can too. And the Cathar is now a spirit uh, playing with their still-alive dog, who can see the spirit. I mean, thank God they didn't also kill the dog, right? Like well, that could have, yeah. they could have gone there. <laughs> they flip it over, and the guy's still alive. And it's the dog that's the spirit. Like that would have been true. Like, oh, wizards. I feel like they probably should have. I feel like Menestrade kind of wants that. I don't want a, a nice story with him stroking his dog, even though he's the spirit. So how can he stroke the dog? Mm. Give me dead dog. Give me dead dog vibes. Make everyone no. make, make everyone ball their eyes out. No. <laughs> give me give me feelings, wizards. Give me feelings. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, I just I, they've been doing this a lot where they have like sort of very twee ideas of like friendship in the afterlife, and often involving like people and their pets. And I don't know why it seems to be a theme in the in the design room, but I don't know whether someone's got some something they need to work through. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not mm. going to speculate on that. Um, I, th- I think this disturb mechanic gives us one of the most haunting artworks by Daniel Lundgren, which is the backside of uh, Gale Drifter, which is a hip griff, um, which is Whale Drifter. And the artwork for Whale Drifter is just uh, a hippogriff. Or what do they call them? Just griffs, don't they, on Innistrad? Y- yes. Yes. And the... Uh, the head of the griff is just gone in its spirit form. Oh, it's form, not okay. <laughs> and it's just an, like an abyssal void of geist energy. Mm. Yeah, this was one that was giving me like the Eldritch Moon vibes. I'm like, oh, that's just basically when you took the werewolf, you transformed it, and the werewolf's face went all tentacly. Like, this is just this is more of that. Don't pretend like Emrakul's gone forever, guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, all in all, Disturb, I think, pretty successful mechanic, flavorfully and functionally mm. as well. I think it gives you know your spirits a bit more utility, tells a completely like solid narrative, and really fits into the idea of Innistrad's life-death cycle. Yeah, really the naming conventions as well tend to work quite. So you got Devoted Graph Keeper to Departed Soul Keeper, that kind of idea. It has that mirroring effect. Also, very little blink effects in the set, I think, of any, because that would break Disturb in half. Like Ghostly mm-hmm. Flicker, very, very cool. Could have been reprinted in the set um, from, from Innistrad originally. Definitely didn't get printed specifically, I think, because of Disturbed cards, which I think why there's only a light spattering of them. I feel like Despite the fact that strong. it would have been an absolute flavor win. with Ghost Absolutely, Flicker. yeah. But imagine double flip. Yeah, it's just that would be it's a lot of value. It's a lot of yeah. value. Awesome. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, what I'm going to consider. It's not You said it's not really a mechanic. It's more of a, a keyword now that's being put onto tokens, and that is Decayed. So zombies are back. Of course they are, because they never stop. And Innistrad is full of zombies. Yeah, um, but not, not better than ever. Not better than ever. Actively worse. <laughs> as, <laughs> as admitted by Mark Rosewater on his like designing Innistrad articles that he puts out every now and then. Um, yes, so decayed uh, essentially is just a, a keyword. And the reminder text reads, uh, a decayed creature can't block uh, when it attacks, sacrifice at the end of combat. So, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> on the face of it but i think the trade-off that a lot of the designers were talking about is that decayed zombies are far easier to put onto the battlefield and it's like a yeah. far far cheaper rate to achieve having them so you can essentially just flood your board with a bunch of like you know two two attackers that can't block and then they go away you know so i again think this is pretty amazing it's a little bit sad that it seems like a like a function fail but as a flavor thing i think it's pretty amazing what do you think i don't like the name and that's the only thing i don't like about it why because it's 
Um, I don't know. I feel like it just. Um, I feel it's a touch clunky. I don't feel like it rolls off the tongue particularly well. I don't know what I can't remember. Like like I couldn't. There was a couple of uh, names that were being rolled around Reddit. One of them was like fetid or something like that. I was like, there's a, a couple, there was one that got me. That I was like, oh, okay, that does sound better. Forgotten it, so it can't have been that much better. Um, <laughs> and I've kind of come around to decayed since. I just I think sometimes it just roll. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. You quite like, create a zombie creature token with decayed. It's not decaying. You know, I don't know. Like the name, the the, the the syntax kind of is a bit clunky to me. I do think in terms of play pattern, it's good because it's trying to promote this idea of pro-action, right? Mm. But the zombies, you kind of sit back and control the board. Like there's a card, for example, Startle, one and a blue. It's an instant. Target creature gets minus two, minus zero until end of turn. You create a two-two black zombie creature token with decayed and you draw a card. Now, if that didn't have decay, that'd be one of the best blue spells printed in a long, long time. Mm. And it's like this ability of like taking away that agency of like you can't just sit on your laurels, build up this big army, and then kind of just stall out the game. It's like, no, no, you need to either be using these to sacrifice them, which obviously all zombies like to be sacrificed anyway, or attacking with them and trying to, you know, use that kind of like... I guess also, zombies at this point, they're not like the big horde issue, right? It's not like in the first couple of sets of Innistrad where like the zombies were like, you know, the endless ranks of the dead. It feels almost like now they're kind of like left. It even says, again, we're going to reference the latest story. It talks about how Liliana, after resurrecting all of Thraben, went, um... Well, enjoy all the zombies, I guess. Um, they're stuck <laughs> with them now, and it kind of makes sense that after all of this time, they are kind of a little bit more dilapidated. They're not as fresh, right? So mm. I like this for flavor reasons and for mechanical reasons. So I feel like the play pattern will be like, you need to be proactively using these zombies for something. Um, and again, they like being sacrificed, right? So it makes sense. It, it makes sense. Them. I think it does. And, I, and also, we're not getting rid of zombies in general either. I mean, like if we talk about just outside of the, the Innistrad, like limited format, zombies are one of the most popular tribes in magic and if you look at something eternal formats and especially things like commander like there is no shortage of zombie tribal support so i think mm-hmm. taking your foot off the gas on zombies a little bit in terms of making them like super viable all the time i think is not a bad thing especially if it gives you room to do something a bit more interesting it shows to me an evolution of like how they want to express the fact that something is dead and still walking as well so for me if i was to think of a zombie and just be like what's the archetypal zombie in magic it has to be walking corpse from original yeah. innistrad right which is one oh. of a black <laughs> one of a black for a 2-2 creature zombie that's it vanilla 2-2 for two zombie and obviously it being a bear like i suppose you could sort of just argue, oh, well, it's just they wanted to give Black a 2-2 two, two for 2. But in my head, when I played it, when I first started playing Magic, and you know that was a good common to slot 4 into in a kitchen table deck, it's because you could, like, say by turn you know, 6 to close out a game, you could slam 3 of them on the battlefield like very easily. And it's like you've just suddenly built up this zombie army out of nowhere because they're cheap, they're effective, and they're, you know, they do what they need to do. Which is fine, but it, as Magic has gotten... You know, more adventurous with its design, and it's kind of trying to build in more narrative reasons as to why things do things. In this set, you have Hobbling Zombie, which is two and a black for a zombie, two two with death touch, that has when Hobbling Zombie dies, create a two two black zombie creature token with decayed. And I just think that is so much really that is so much more evocative on the bit of cardboard of what a zombie would be like. Like you kill it once. And then it comes back, not quite as effective, but it's still there and it's still mm. attacking you. Like you have to kill it again. Like you have to keep trying to put these zombies down, which I think is a far more uh, slicker, inbuilt way of doing it. Like I don't necessarily have to use my imagination to be like, oh, well, I have to put loads of zombies down, which is why zombies are good in magic because you swarm with them. It's like, no, the zombie is telling you why it's a zombie. And I think mm. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense as to why this rotting corpse can just keep standing there taking hits over and over and over again, right? Like, surely, like, you lock the leg off and it falls over, you lock the arm off and it can no longer attack you, so it kind of presents that a bit better. Mm. Plus, you've got that... Zombies are tutus. This is a defined... It's never going to change. And it was like, well, how do we find a way to... I think Mark specifically said this, of how do we find a way to make them more pushed without changing their stat line. So they were like, well, we can't make them 1-1s one because all zombies are 2-2s, two and this is almost like their nice middle ground, and I think it's a nice middle ground that actually works better and more effectively than I think they even realised to begin with. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a very evocative ability. And it will probably play quite strong as well. Mm. Um, again, I'd say it being an aggressive archetype, like a lot of things like Gravecrawler that are recursive um, you know, zombie blockers uh, aren't. They can't, they're not, because they can't block. And that's the whole point. If, like, if you can just make a 2-1 for free out of your graveyard every turn, um, then... Again, same thing with um, fucking, oh, what's the vampire spirit thing called? 
bloodgast bloodgast same mm. idea right of where these recursive threats uh, threats should feel like recursive threats not recursive walls to mm. defend yourself with i feel like a wall of zombies wouldn't last you very long whereas you know when you get them to go out and attack everything cool flavor sense like it yeah for sure yeah 100 percent um yeah i i really like it as you know as i say on the face of it it makes zombies look actively worse but i think it makes zombies far more zombified so yeah again another home run for me i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very good all right Let's go from two awesome mechanics to one, wah, wah, uh, in my opinion, Coven. Yeah. Oh, they just can't make humans interesting, can they? they I mean, just it's just do it. all the different ways of going wide, right? Like, it's, and there's even some go tall. I mean, I guess the whole point, right, is they've done plus one, plus one counters to build up your individuals, like Champion of the Parish, for example. Really good example of a one drop that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more, and the more humans you make. So you're technically going wide and going tall at the same time. Whereas now it's like, Okay, you want to go wide, you need at least three different creatures. But the fact that they have to have varying powers means that you've got to play more interesting around the curve. You can't just drop a bunch of two twos. And I guess it makes combat more interesting, right? Because then the stat lines become a bit more interesting. It's well, not just a bunch of two yeah. twos or three threes. Like it's usually like you've got some zero, some zero fours, some one fours, that kind of thing in the set. Yeah. So Coven, Coven reads uh, that it's an effect that provides uh, an effect or ability if you control three or more creatures with different powers. So, for example, Candlegrove Witch, which is one in a white human warlock, two two, has Coven at the beginning of combat on your turn. If you control three or more creatures with different powers, Candlegrove Witch gains flying until end of turn. And they've basically just moved. Ravnik and Boros strats into in Australian uh, in Australia. It is battalion, Asian. right? It's yeah. just battalion. Yeah, exactly. It's just battalion, and it wasn't good then. It's not good now. <laughs> it's also, I don't think, particularly flavorful. So um, I looked up what the word coven really sort of like if it was to be defined by the Merriam-Webster, I suppose, if you're um, an American or if like the the Oxford English Dictionary, and it's uh, a collection of individuals with similar interests or activities. Uh, a coven of intellectuals, for example, or an assembly of band of usually 13 witches. So this kind of word coven got stapled onto uh, uh, like the idea of like a band of witches relatively in like the in like the 1900s. It wasn't like a, something that was really used back in the day. Um, this is like the kind of, you know, more modern interpretation of what what band of witches would be called. So the idea is that, you know, as you said last week, the word witch, even though they're having witches in Australia, because they're leaning heavily into this paganistic idea, they're not using the word witch because that's got some negative connotations. So they're using it for the warlocks and like the humans of the set. Um, and it's, you know, the word coven is fine. I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't had something similar in the past. And the idea that it's a group of individuals coming together to form a band and to perform like a ritual of sorts to give buffs to other people i think is fine i just i just don't understand is it is, is the different parent toughness thing flavorfully meant to read like so it's a it's like different people in the community so it's like exactly know, yeah, yeah it's the different people kind of coming together and it doesn't matter if you're weak or if you're strong together we are stronger i suppose that's kind of nice thinking about it but at the same time it's just humans clubbing together and attacking things again. It's having to have three things on the board. It's having to deal with... like it's, If you're facing against this, as long as you've got a few bits of removal, you just keep killing the third thing, right? Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. I mean, again, I, mean, I don't know how resilient yeah. it is from like a play perspective. Flavor-wise, I don't mind it. But it is, again, it's just white weenie, but with a different, slightly different shade on it. Yeah. I mean, okay, all right. As I'm talking about it, I'm literally coming around to it as a flavor thing. <laughs> it... Uh, I guess I guess it literally just comes down to play, but like I think that's why like sometimes push back. Like some flavorful mechanics work in the context of the set. You're like, cool, really like it. Doesn't make me want to play those colors. Yeah, and that's kind of the issue, right? Is where like so for some people the decayed mechanic, where people go like, oh, well, I guess I don't really want to play zombies this time around. Whereas for me, I'm like, oh, that no, makes me want to play zombies more. Yeah. So I guess it kind of depends. We maybe just don't like that kind of idea of a mechanic. And what else? I guess what else do you do with like white green? I mean, they've been trying for ages to try and make it more diverse and more. In, 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 interesting but realistically relying on creatures only gives you so many different directions to push a mechanic be it go wide with different powers or go tall like you know like green does everything so everything becomes a bit vanilla with it right mm. it's just the idea that you know there's only so much playroom you have with uh, a creature's power at mm. certain mana values so you can't you can't feasibly make a two drop like five toughness 
So that means you've got to wait till like turn four, five, six, even in a limited or standard game before you get Coven yeah. like online. Unless you flip it, right? Because it kind of plays into the weirdly enough, Coven and Werewolves actually work quite well together. That you can have your two drop two two that then flips into a into a four three, and you're like, okay, cool, I got my four tough. My but then four that's power like an automatic into... flavor fail that goes, that goes completely uh, against the ethos of this podcast, Nathan. I know, right? That's the thing that annoys me. I'm like, oh, I guess from a mechanical point of view, you can make it work, and I, get, I imagine it might play very, very well. But yeah, flavor wise, I'm like, ah. Uh, I would like something that feels a little bit more, a little less, we're all in this together. And that's it. That's all they've got, you know? I will so, say yeah. there's one card that is flavorfully sticking out to me. And it's sticking out to me because it's a transform card <laughs> more than it is because it's a coven <laughs> card. And that's Ambitious Farmhand, which is one and a white for a 1-1 one, one human peasant. Uh, when Ambitious Farmhand enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Which for an uncommon is very cool just in itself just that like line of text uh, and then it has coven for one white white uh, also coven and then so if you have coven online you pay and pay one white white transform ambitious farmhand uh, and it becomes seasoned cathar it's a three through with lifelink and the flavor text reads the cathars have taught me many things but i will never forget the ha- uh, the hard honest work that first uh, calloused up my hands and I just like this idea that, you know, the the journey of this farmer to becoming like a warrior of like righteousness and doing that through having to have a community which they're farming for and clubbing together and then having the Cathars train them. So presumably you have like other sort of uh, sort of four or five, six drops on the battlefield that are these Cathar like characters. Or you have like someone like Righteous a Ritual Guardian, that's a three drop. So you play like the two drop farmhand, then the ritual guardian, then you have something else and then you can flip the 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 farmhand into the Cathar. Like, that's a really nice story. It's just a shame that they had to take up a whole me- mechanic to get that one card to function that way. <laughs> mm. Do you know? I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm being too harsh. Maybe I'm being too harsh. It's, it's not my thing. It's not my that's thing. fair. No, I feel the same. I'm also now looking through and Contortionate Troop. Don't have the Bard subtype. Wow, wizard, you're learning. Any, every, not every performer has to, hap- has to happen to be a Bard. Good job. Yeah, but they're, just, they're just human? That seems Yeah. Good. I know. It's weird again, right? Give performers better class types, wizards. Do, do better. You, how do you feel? This is a whole other podcast episode. We're done with Innistrad <laughs> Mechanics now. Uh, how, <laughs> how do you feel about single creature cards with multiple creatures on them? Um, what, I, what I find weird about Contortionist Troops, it doesn't start as a 3-3, three, three, and there are definitely at least three. Well, at least, there's technically <laughs> yeah. four of them in the artworks. You can see a foot from the top as well. It's like, how can it come in with one plus one plus one counts? There are four of them. Uh, sorry, most of them were busy. You've just got me tonight. Actually, that makes flavor sense to me. Okay, cool. But then that might be easier making... Uh, whatever. D- d- don't stop. No, stop it. Cool. Yeah, tune in for next week's episode. Um, <laughs> all right. I Again, I really love the flavor and the aesthetics of the sort of Selesnia humans in this set. I think it's a really nice little change up from previous mm-hmm. sets, from moving from the church to the, the warlocks. Um, yeah, Coven. It's, it's just... It's just battalion. It's just more committing to the board. More, more good luck with that board wipe. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, like it was so disparaging. <laughs> um, cool. I mean, those are the. I mean, we've been we've actually done that very quickly. Those are like the kind of big uh, ones that they've brought in. Oh no, I suppose. Well, no, we'll get to the big one. Okay, this is why I didn't. I didn't have this up with the others because this is the big one. Um, so let's move on to werewolves. Let's move on to werewolves and the brand new mechanic that isn't isn't just like a werewolf mechanic, but is like a board state mechanic which is Daybound and Nightbound. Now, I'll be very honest, uh, listeners, every time I try and think of a slick way to describe Day and Nightbound, I always get confused. So I'm going to defer to Nathan to describe what Day and Nightbound <laughs> actually does. Okay, so before base, with, with, with original werewolves, there was this idea of one player uh, of flipping back and forth based on the number of spells that were played. Instead of that being independent of each card, there is now a state um, that the, the game can be, it, it, it starts without a day or night cycle. There are many cards in the set that literally say if it is, if there is no, if it isn't day or night, it becomes day. And there's a little card that you add in, kind of like dungeon cards, where it sits separate from the game and it sets the time to the day or to night. And cards that are day bound and night bound will come in on the side that it is currently is. So if it is daytime, the day bound cards will come on the front side. If it happens to be nighttime, they'll come on their back side. And then there's the additional rider text, similar to the original werewolves, of if uh, a player casts two or more spells on their turn, and the, and it's nighttime, it flips to daytime. And in daytime, if a player casts no spells during their turn, it flips to nighttime. 
Mm. So again, we talked about this last week about now the werewolves have a, or the werewolf players have a bit more autonomy, but it also allows you to manipulate it into being nighttime and then have your your cards come in on the stronger side immediately. This doesn't affect any other cards with transform apart from the ones that say daybound and nightbound on them. Hmm. Which I think is fine because for flavor reasons, some of the other cards would be busted if you could just well, drop it in on the yeah. reverse side. So let, let's just let's just talk about day and night bound just in a little bubble, and then we can start talking about how this affects other transform cards and indeed other werewolves. And in fact, what it affects other werewolves that doesn't affect these cards, which makes me far more angry. But mm. let's talk about day and night bound. Um, in a bubble, if you told me that this is what we're doing from werewolves now, I would think that this is this is a far better solution, both flavorfully and mechanically, for werewolves. Because not only does it fit into the narrative of, like, why does why do you have to see the werewolf transformation? So with previous werewolves, you could never get it in on the werewolf side straight away. Sometimes yeah. you could have cards that would make the werewolves come in and then flip automatically, but you would never have them come in as a werewolf, which I think is... I mean, was in made sense at the time, but now the fact that if the board state is nightbound and they come in as a werewolf, that makes far more sense that if you are as a game in the middle of the night, you're not going to see a human just kind of be like, hello, and then suddenly burst out as a lycanthrope. Like, the werewolves are going to be there straight away. It makes you more aggressive. It makes, if you're playing a werewolf deck, you feel like you are owning the battlefield a little bit more. And indeed, like, the, the daybound side has its own sort of advantage, you know, with certain creatures getting certain effects that you may want when it's daybound, and then to flip into nightbound gives you far more autonomy it makes things a lot less feel bad if other people kind of change the the game state whereas previously with werewolves especially in like a multiplayer format like commander you would never ever get your werewolves to stay werewolves they would always be humans because who's you're not gonna have three players that are not going to be casting spells do you know what i mean so yeah absolutely i think i think flavorfully this is an absolute home run i love board state mechanics things like uh the city's blessing for example is a really good example, like where you, you might have a deck which only has one City's Blessing card in there, but as soon as you have it, you always have it. I love that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, especially if you're in a limited environment, I think this is going to make the whole sort of standard environment and the limited environment feel like you are on Innistrad, that you yeah. are battling these monsters. I think it's an absolute home run. And fits, yeah. in, fits in with the, narr the direct narrative of this particular Innistrad set as well. So it's firing on absolutely all cylinders. Um, I wish, I do wish... And I'm glad they didn't because I'm glad that they've left the it close enough to the original werewolf text that they might do they might errata them. But I wish a little bit that it would have been harder for it to turn back to daytime compared to what it was before. Mm. Because in the story, narratively speaking, like it's um, the night is encroaching and getting longer, and there are shorter days. Whereas this kind of still seems half a night. It still feels like still feels like it's more likely to be daytime than nighttime most of the time, or at least that's what your opponent's going to be pushing towards, right? Mm. Um, and I guess it's easier... I guess it's harder to cast two spells than it is for someone to not cast any. So I guess it is easier for it to stay nighttime and take more of a concerted effort. Mm. And I guess as a player who wants it to stay in nighttime, you only have to play one spell a turn for it to maintain nighttime, whereas your opponent has to put the concerted effort yeah. of having to play more than one. So I guess, actually, I take that back immediately. I also think it's good that it makes all of your werewolves act the same at the same time every day bound card will be on the same sides and night and, and, and vice versa to night bound mm -hmm. depending on the state whereas back in the original in the strategy you could have one werewolf that flipped on this turn and then the next one who flipped on on the other turn then Ugh. they'd be flipping back and forth at different times which made no sense how is it daytime for this one and nighttime for this one you know beyond the hilarious yeah. video of the black bird with the daytime my time you know apart from that <laughs> apart from that meme didn't make any fucking sense so yeah again yeah. this idea of homogenizing the mechanic yet also somehow still excluding all the, other, all the other airwolves, which is why I think that eventually it will probably do some erratering with it, because there's just no reason not to. There's no card this breaks, particularly in my mind. Because mm. even something like Hunt Master of the Fells, which I think is the closest you can come to, okay, this card is just straight up good without the transforming back and forth. If it comes in straight as, as Nightbound, you don't get the transform trigger, right? So you're kind of undermining that, like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's really strong if it comes in and flips straight away. But it's, like, it's not coming in and flipping straight away. It's coming in already flips. You don't have to worry about that rider text mm. of, oh, when it's transforming, it does the thing. So, yeah, I mean, I again, it makes it more succinct. It makes it way more noticeable and obvious. Like, it's, it's much more trackable, mm. right? And I think, again, as you say, it's much more flavorful because it feels like you're immersing yourself into that. It's like when... um in Yu-Gi-Oh! where like, you know, Toon World or something was played and then Toon World would actually pop up and the entire battlefield would become Toon World. That's kind of a little bit like that. If we're like, okay, it's actually the entire battlefield is now night. It's not just, again, isolated to the individual cards. It's a game mechanic for the entire game in the battlefield, which mm. I think works much better. 
Yeah, for sure. I also do quite like that a lot of the artist briefs have obviously, you know, with werewolves in general, they, they probably still have the artist brief, but this one they've really leaned into the idea that on the daybound side, a lot of the cards have like the the sort of daytime aesthetic, or at least the idea that it's about to become nighttime. And mm. the, obviously the other ones, it is full on nighttime. So I'm looking at Reckless um, Stormseeker, for example, which is two and a red werewolf uh, with a artwork by Manuel Castanon. And you can see the setting sun in the background of Reckless Stormseeker on the daybound side. And then on the nightbound side, it's like a full moon's rise. I just think, yeah, it's a really nice narrative. Is Innistrad's moon ever not full? No, I think it must be full all the time. It's full all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously not going to get into the metaphysics of, of, of how Innistrad works with... I mean, because it's not a full sphere, so it, the moon can't orbit. Why have I opened this can of worms? Yeah. But ca- no, no, we stopped. Yeah, 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 always full. It's always full. It's got a heron in it. And now Ember Cool, good. Um, we're good. We're fine. <laughs> okay, I don't want to spend too long talking about my issues with this because I think this could almost be a discussion from many, many other times. But so... As you said, Daybound Nightbound hasn't been ratted onto old werewolves, despite the fact that they're using the same symbols for the front side, back side. Now, that mm. I can sort of understand. What I don't understand is that when they released the design notes for this set, they explicitly stated that cards with Nightbound, Daybound can't be transformed by any other means. Yeah. Which means older werewolf synergy cards like Moonmist, and Moonmist was quoted in that article, Moonmist doesn't transform daybound nightbound doesn't do cards. shit mate good, good job on your synergy what? cards <laughs> i like i why aren't more people angry about this i've seen like five tweets about it i'm furious so what you they've said yeah you've got your where there's your werewolf commander there's your werewolf deck here's all your new werewolf bits and pieces Go and the prime spell you're going to be playing with it does does, does it do anything for no, half the cards you're playing the spell <laughs> it's so true it's so true because I think what's I the can't... other one? Four Moons Rise is the other one. I think that does the same thing of where it flips everything and it regenerates them, and still, and that doesn't do anything. Either. Like so, when I, so uh, there's a couple of there's there are two Therese Nilsson artwork cards. Like I don't want to give too much fucking time to them, but I think Four Moons, Four Moons Rise is one of them, I believe, and then uh, Immerwolf is the other one. But I was like, yeah, we're definitely getting reprints because we want to get new artwork for it. Obviously, we want to get new artists maybe into the game. Uh, and they're, they're, they are the werewolf cards and it's kind of a lot of werewolf players that are maybe a bit itchy about using certain people's artwork are like right cool here we go new set let's go boys nope because they're, they're too synergistic with with the non-daybound nightbound creatures and that's why we're not getting those reprints I just, like it just clicked when I saw that design now. I was like oh that's why there's no yeah like, Immerwolf really should have been I guess I'm looking at Full Moon's Rise now it doesn't actually affect transforming so whatever they could have just done they could have done that but they could have just reprinted that fine cool. oh sure but sorry yeah. that's the pump effect right yeah um, and the, Im- yeah. the Immerwolf really yeah you can really tell that they kind of you can also even in that article where Mara's talking about you can tell there was a fission there was like a bit of a, a, a friction in kind of how mm-hmm. they handled it because they're like this is better now but it obviously does make one card completely utterly obsolete especially if they do a Rata everything then it becomes utterly obsolete no but just, then make, you've got... just make it so you can flip day by nightbound creatures i don't understand like just but... when it goes back to day all the creatures that are currently nightbound put them to daybound uh, but then you've got the same issue of if you flip all of your so if it's nighttime and you flip everything to daytime and then you cast another a werewolf and it comes in but on nighttime so then you've got the flip niche. Well, they'll turn. Around, I guess they'll turn around and be like, "Well, the card's not even in standard. That's way more niche." Hey, look, uh, we gave you, we gave you a new, a new, a new werewolf. Standard, but if it's not in standard and it's only in casual or eternal formats, then mm. what does it matter? Well, exactly. Rule zero. It just, just, just have it. Well, so no, but you can't. No, I hate that. I hate. I'm like, this is. We have never. We've never had this conversation before. Like, because it's a much. It's a. It's a pure gameplay thing. Well, I suppose obviously because it does very often affect flavor stuff. I suppose, but yeah, I suppose we will do the. Do we? What do we think of rule zero conversation? I think that's a poor line oh yeah you can't just change the rules because it works better for the deck you want to play can i play this card but it actually does this instead please but no that's that's yeah, that's you're making you're making up mechanic. yeah you're making up new cards that's not how it works i'm just yeah, yeah. So I, I, I i'm just rightfully angry yeah you should it's be a fla- yeah. it's a fla- it's not just a mechanical fla- fail it is a, it is the f- flavor fail of all flavor fails and for mm. the for the tribe that everyone was desperate to get synergized yeah. How did yeah. they do that? How did they manage that? The other thing that really pisses me off is that there's only one non-werewolf Danebound Nightbound card. I'm like, there could have been so many other ones that you can play around with that do different things at night and different things. A Scarecrow, for example. I think there might even be actually a Scarecrow in here that flips based on 
on, 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 but I think it's just a normal transform cards. In one second, let me check. yeah, I think that's how they've done it. Is that if they don't have themselves day bound, night bound, it's just if it is day or if it is night, then yeah, because really Curse of Leeches comes in as a curse on the day bound side and comes mm. down as a, as a creature on the on, and I like again, I like it. I'm like, cool, it does a different thing day and night. Again, some of the transform cards don't work for that because the idea is that they're showing a narrative of you've got to go through a process to get the effect of, of it flipping, right? Mm. There's the narrative progression of the card, whereas these are just. Daytime on one thing, nighttime on another thing. There is still flavor on the cards, and it does make sense. But realistically, they flip flop back and forth. Whereas most transform cards don't. Mm. But it's annoying that they only put this, you know, day pound night bounds idea only on one non werewolf card because I feel like maybe there was other, maybe there was room. Maybe they didn't have enough space to do that and fit as many werewolves as they wanted to in the set. Maybe. So I still feel like they're a little light on werewolves anyway in the set. There's only twenty of them. Yeah, in the werewolf set. Including Arlen, yeah. Well, let's see how many vampires we get in the Crimson Vow. Oh, well, there will be fucking werewolves. vampires. Every single character except for Odric and Thalia will be fucking vampires. Fucking Gerald will be a bloody vampire. Right. There might be one or two werewolves that they sneak in there, but there was plenty of vampires in this set. Yeah, whatever, cool. Oh. <laughs> We've eventually got to the angry about the werewolf thing. I like it. Well, it was, ine- it was inevitable. I know, I can't know. I'm, like, let's move on. Because they didn't do it. They, <laughs> they, they, didn't. they swung. They, didn't. they were so close. They were about to hit a homer, and then they just scuffed it. Um... Yeah, I, in, a, in a bubble, Daybound, Nightbound is excellent. And I mm. think, like Decayed and like Disturbed, they've really hit upon what they were trying to do in previous sets, but this time they've given it its own mechanic because they feel like they, they're bold enough now that they can do that. Um, and yeah. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I just feel like the design notes around everything about it, it was mishandled and mm. they were maybe just too worried about things that they shouldn't have been worrying about yeah who cares people are already going to be flipping over their werewolves like every five bloody seconds and taking it in and out of sleeves it's not going to make it any less or any more efficient yeah agreed yeah i do think we're likely to see daybound nightbound again in the next set um i don't necessarily know if we'll see disturb as much all all daybound uh vampires just piles of dust (laughs) yeah well uh, this is the thing apparently they're only irritated this is a point of contention of how much the vampires of industry care about the sun because some people mention it's like kind of actively damaging to them and some some quote it as just being like a bit of a nuisance which makes me a bit uh, in my mind was it um not Falconrath Noble. There's a. Is it just Vampire Noble? He's clearly walking around in the daytime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stromkirk, Stromkirk Noble. Stromkirk yeah, the one Noble, who's protection yeah. from humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Just casual, casual walking about. Cool. All right. Well, those are those are all the unique ones for this set, and then there are some returning, uh, interesting ones. So the returning ones, just to kind of flip through them, we've got flashback is back, transform cards in general are back, and curses. Which one excites you most? Um, I'm always a big fan of curses. I mean, again, it's hard. Ah. Uh, uh yeah i'm gonna go with curses i think curses are really interesting yeah i don't think they think it's a type that i was glad we saw more of um it's kind of like a, it's like the adventure um uh, not adventure mechanic the questing mechanic kind of from um innistrad of where they not innistrad, sorry zendikar of where they kind of did a little bit the first time i feel like they could have gone further and never went back to it with curses we keep getting even in ancillary products all these different kind of curses and now we've got a curse commander which mm. annoyingly isn't in the colours that everyone wants to play it in, which is like, you know, Mardu. I mean, they should have just done four colour or five colour. Well, actually, maybe not five colour. Well, it's too close after Goddess. A four colour. Just do a four colour Curse Commander mm. and make everyone happy. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Curses coming back. I think it's a very Innistrad-y kind of, like, um, of mechanic, even if it has been seen on other sets and, and other planes, because it just feels like this idea of being doomed by someone, like, whether it's, you know, being cursed by a witch or if it's being cursed by a demon, you know, like, I feel like curses curses are cool anything that enchants players i find is really interesting because you can't remove yourself to get rid of it you know Mm -hmm. but the only thing i will say is i don't feel like there was enough agency playing around with it like specifically the commander does put the put the curse back on you if it gets put into the graveyard and then you can move any curse from yourself on the upkeep to a different player but there's not a lot of um reattach to a different player or bounce the curse and reattach you know there doesn't seem to be a lot of ways to play around with them but again, it's a kind of difficult clunky mechanic to do that with anyway. But I think, well, how many did we get? Like 10, I think, including one of the Commander ones. Well, so, yeah, well, I mean, these, these episodes don't tend to include the Commander decks really. No, really. but I mean, I guess when you're only getting like 10 more cards and it's kind of within the set, I don't think we want to dedicate an entire episode to doing both of the decks, right? No. So, because I mean, there's not that much, there's not very many interesting things. One's humans, one's zombies, go figure. Um, but I do like the fact that we are getting more interesting diversity on on curses. They're not all just super downsides. They've got some like, oh, maybe this is good, maybe bad. 
maybe I do mm. want to enchant myself. Maybe I want to enchant someone else. That, that's how I feel like they should be playing anyway. And I feel like mm. some of them feel more, or sorry, less obvious as to where they should go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I quite like curses as an enchantment type. I think it's it's always very evocative of of the kinds of things. It's like a, you know, it's a hex, isn't it? And I think mm. um, the, one of the one of my favorite cards, flavorfully, in the last Innistrad set was uh, a cursed witch, which mm. was a creature on one side and then a curse on the other. Because the the narrative was there was a witch that was being slain by an adventurer, and then on the backside the adventurer is being cursed by the witch that they've just slain, and is now essentially the witch themselves. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, very um, very cool. Yeah, so it's always it's always a nice narrative. Yeah, I like curses. Curses are pretty fun. Um, I, I I would like to see more of them, but I just wonder if you would just end up in a in a meta where it's just all hate. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no interaction, really. You're just, like, piling up, essentially, stacks onto your opponent. It is exactly that, right? It's hate and stacks kind of rolled into one. There's literally one one of them that's just a single white curse of silence, and it makes a spell of the chosen name of the person that you enchant cost two more. You basically just command attacks to your opponent's commander <laughs> before yeah. they even have a chance I mean, to play it's, it. It's aura of silence, isn't it? But just with more flexibility. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I always like the flavour behind them, because things like Curse of Obsession, it's like talking about, it's like the... Um, um, the heartbeat. The, what's the the story about the the heart that's in the floorboards? And this person keeps hearing this beating heart, so they oh, tear yeah, up sure. all of their floor. It's, it's that idea, right? And they're able to present these these stories in a curse, which is quite, I think, quite cool. Like some of them mm-hmm. are like simple, like the curse of clinging webs, sorry, it's spiders. But things like curse of deception again, you can have a bit of narrative play with this, which I think is quite cool. I'm surprised we didn't see curses or a curse card in Strixhaven. You'd think certain students would. Uh, 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 students aren't allowed to curse in, on school property. They've got to kill a civil tongue in their mouth. Okay, <laughs> these are youngsters, Andy, and they're not allowed to go around swearing. Silver cool students would absolutely curse people. I mean, yeah, that's. I was surprised that they didn't have something. I mean, there was enough in Strixhaven already, but it does feel like a very silver quilly kind of uh, uh, ability, right, a mechanic to to mm. actually physically curse someone with a curse word, which mm. is quite cool. Another flavor fail wizards. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> another flat kid. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, I think that's that's where we'll do it then. I think I think the really nice thing about coming back to a new set on an old plane is that whilst at the top of the episode I was kind of maybe a little bit overwhelmed by how much there was and how much new stuff there was piled up on top of layered on on things that were already new. Is that actually when you sit down and break th- through them because you are already under ugh, can't speak. Because you already understand the language of the plane and the narrative of what they're trying to tell, it's far easier to pass a lot of these new mechanics in a way that is narratively relevant. And it's it's kind of nice sort of seeing things like disturbed, like decayed, like the like the way that they're treating werewolves now. And it's really sort of cool just to have to make only that little step to get that much more out of them. Mm. Um, and I think I do think in general. I know we've had a, bit, a bitch and a whinge as we usually do, but I think in a bubble as a whole, this seems like the Innistrad set that they always wanted to create. And I can't wait for Crimson Vow, because I can't wait to see what they do with vampires. I really hope they give vampires something more than inherently just having flying death touch and lifelink. Which, again, very much like how I was always very impressed with zombies, um, sort of, you know, using the mechanics of the game as they were to evoke of what they were doing, which is very clever. Vampires did the same thing of where, if you look at Vampire Nighthawk, again, for lots of people, including myself, the seminal vampire, flying Death Touch lifelink, those are things that vampires do. But, obviously, so does everything else, because they're inherent mechanics for the whole game. Mm. So I can't wait to see what they give vampires that is like their own thing, you know? Yeah. I hope they do. I hope it's not just because they did a, a fair number of because um, they didn't give them their own mechanic in this set because that would be kind of encroaching on the werewolf space. But a lot of them do this. Have if your opponent has lost life, it gives them that bloodlust almost. I think there's literally a a mechanic in Gruul that did that right of where if your opponent lost life, it comes with a counter or something that kind of showed that kind of like they're, they're bleeding, let's kill them now kind of <laughs> feeling. So I'm hoping they do something slightly different to that, but also plays with that. Um, I wouldn't, I, I, yeah, maybe they'll give them more than one mechanic. Maybe they'll show the different houses doing different things. Who well, knows? quite, because that's, yeah, in previous Innistrad sets, all like the, it's only certain houses that have prominently flying vampires. It's only certain houses mm. that have prominently life-linking vampires. So yeah, I hope they really do play on that. And because it is the narrative that it is, hopefully they'll give a, a bit more character and a bit more flavor to some of the vampire lords as well. Mm. Um, but yes, in general, Midnight Hunt, Hunt, home run mechanically, just maybe some backdating that they need to do. That's a little bit, mm. a little bit janky. 
Uh, so it's going to happen. You've got 26 years of magic, right? Gonna, mm. not, not everything can synergize with each other. It's like creature type harassing, all that kind of nonsense. It's really hard to kind of hit that middle ground between diversity, but synergy that works like, you know, in your brain space. When you put these two vet wells together, they don't work the same. It hurt my brain, make my brain go hurty. So <laughs> yeah, do better wizards. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Oh, harsh. <laughs> yeah, well, look, okay. You got, you, you made it and you, you've ended on a nice flourish. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm downing it again. No. Do better. We expect more. <laughs> uh, we expect everything. Give us everything. Even that beautiful, lovely graveyard set. Can't argue with it. It's lovely. But do better anyway. Try harder. <laughs> uh, all right, listeners. If you are in agreement with us, or if you disagree <laughs> with us, are we being too like precious about the werewolves? Do I just need to get over it? Do I just need to get over it, though? Like, do I just need to just like play with Tovalar and just play with the new werewolves and just shut the hell up and just get on with my life? Well, if all twenty-one is, of them. Yeah, all twenty-one sure. of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, not, well, Nathan, if I'm being an EDH deck, I have so many changelings I can put into the deck. They're all oh, werewolves, right? They all work with daybound, nightbounds. Yeah, yeah, great, great, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you can hit us up on Twitter at MT Flavoring. My personal Twitter is at Andy Manface. Nathan's, yours is at the Fox in the Moon. Emails go to mtflavoring at gmail.com. Um, I know our YouTube channel has been a little bit quiet recently, just simply we haven't had time to upload any videos, but the videos that are there we are quite proud of. We've got our Law Shot series where we've taken uh, quite a few different of uh, favourite commanders from across Magic history and we've done little law uh, videos on them. One of them is uh, the Shadows, uh, no it's the Eldritch Moon card of uh, Geese and Jerolf uh, so it tells their story up until this set so I guess we could do an updated version of that as well. Um, but yeah Hit us up on our socials. Let us know what you think about this set. Let us know what you're looking forward to for Innistrad uh, Crimson Vow and what you're looking forward to playing in Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Is Coven maybe the fixed version of what we've we've been talking about? Mm. Will it be in now in green-white something that's a bit more viable, especially in uh, sort of more casual internal formats? Let us know. Um, I had my big weekend last week where I was away at a stag do, and then it was my birthday on the Sunday as well. Um, I think I've just about caught up. I'm a little bit tired. You saw me in person yesterday. Did I look tired? Oh, no, you looked okay. You looked good. Sprightly enough. <laughs> I think don't we all feel tired recently? <laughs> I'm 31 now, Nathan. I'm, full, yeah. I'm I'm decayed. I can only attack and I can't block and I get exiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Oh, I love yeah. it. Andy man with decayed. <laughs> oh, no. That's <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, cool. All right. All that remains for me to say then is thank you so much for listening. This has been Magic the Flavoring. We'll see you soon. <laughs>